Welcome to the Simplify Jesus Podcast. We're your hosts, Matt Gunter and Bill Allen, and together we are breaking barriers through communication. Good morning, everyone, or at least for us, it's morning. Uh, we don't usually record in the mornings, but, uh, you know, why not change things up every once in a while? That's right. We are continuing the story of Moses, the final plague, Passover, Exodus, all of this stuff going to fit into one episode. Matt and I were just talking before recording a little bit. This is one of the most well-known stories of the Bible, uh, so... We're going to kind of hit some high-level stuff here, and, and I don't know that we're going to get really too deep into it, but that's why we say every week at the end, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, shoot us a message on any of our social media or email info at simplifyjesus.com. And if you missed that, Matt's going to hit it again at the end. <laughs> that's right. So last week, we saw that uh, God hit Egypt with nine different plagues because Pharaoh wouldn't let the Israelites go worship with him in the wilderness. Uh, All nine of these plagues hit Egypt, but for the most part, didn't affect the Israelites in Goshen when they went to, I guess, kind of hide away there and and get away from it because Moses said, hey, God's going to do this. Get out so it doesn't affect you. At times, Pharaoh appeared like he was going to uh, relent and, and said he would allow them to leave. But when each plague was lifted, he immediately changed his mind and took back his promise or his, his, his agreement to let him go worship in the wilderness. And then the final ninth plague, not the final plague, but the final ninth plague was a period of three days of darkness over the land. And it's interesting that there was only light in Goshen where the Israelites went to go. Yeah. Stay safe from everything. Yeah. So these things were, Definite miracles, definitely supernatural, mm-hmm. definitely not something any of us could ever do, um, but Pharaoh still wouldn't let him go. Yeah. So now we're going to get into the final plague that God had in store and see what happens to Pharaoh's heart then. <laughs> so there was there was one final plague that God had in store for Egypt, um, and, and God told Moses as he was telling him about this plague and, and what the Israelites were to do, that this was going to be the one that made Pharaoh relent and finally allow for the exodus of the Israelites. And God told Moses, I'm going to kill every firstborn in the land of Egypt. So now every firstborn included livestock. So, you know, they had cattle, sheep, anything like that. And the firstborn of all of those, and also the firstborn of all people in Egypt would be killed as part of this. And he wouldn't touch the nation of Israel. He wasn't going to come into Goshen, but all Egyptians would be affected by it. Now, is this the firstborn male or just the firstborn? Yeah, yes. That was specifically the firstborn males of livestock and people. And so you know, God gave Moses special instructions for the Israelites to be passed over in this. And that, and that's what we now know as the Passover. And this is very, very important in Jewish culture even today. But uh, but especially in the Old Testament times, this was a very important festival. So Now, I want to back <clears throat> up just a second. Yeah. Uh, I wonder... If this was something that, so Pharaoh said, firstborn male. Mm-hmm. Well, all males really need to need to go. Yes, in yeah. The beginning. So I wonder if God's saying, okay, you're going to do it to my people. I'm going to do it to your people. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it it makes you wonder, and and it you know, it's one of those things that um, it it shows you that God's taking this seriously, right? Mm-hmm. That like, 
you, you're going to mess with my people? Okay, let me show you how this goes. Yeah. Let, let, let me show you who's in control here. For sure. So, yeah. So, so after that, God, God gave Moses special instructions. At, at this time, for the original Passover, uh, the first one, they all Israelites were to select a one-year-old unblemished sheep or goat that was male uh, on the 10th day of the first month and sacrificed on the 14th day of that month at twilight. And so um, this was all happening right around the first month in the Jewish calendar. And so he said on the 10th day of the month, select the animal. And on the 14th day, you're going to sacrifice it at twilight. When you sacrificed it, some of the blood from that animal was to be put on the doorposts of your home and over the lintel. Do you know what the Jewish calendar looks like as far as, uh, you know, if it's a, it's tenth day of the month. Are we talking like April? Um, Ooh, or because I, you know, Easter is what we what we schedule that around Passover, right? Um, but that's a moon cycle too. Yeah, yeah. So the Jewish calendar is a little bit off from from our calendar, and I want to say, let's see. So the Passover happened it lines up with the Lord's Supper because he celebrated the Passover with with the disciples right before he was arrested. So. It's going to be in the springtime, right. maybe sometime in the springtime. I think it's, at least in modern day, it kind of resets every so often. That's why Easter moved around between March and April. But more than likely, this was sometime during the spring. Okay. And so when they sacrificed the animals, they were to take some of the blood and put it up on the doorposts and, and on the lintel or the, the part over the door as a sign. That was a sign that, that they were, they had put their faith in God, that this was God's instruction to them. And so they were being obedient to that call. And so... um then they took the animal, cleaned it up, and they roasted over fire with bitter herbs and unleavened bread. Unleavened bread being without yeast. So they would cook all that together, and, and that was going to be their meal that night. Now, for smaller families, they did have a kind of an exception, I guess, that you could come together as multiple families if you had like two couples without kids or something. Yeah, you know, that's kind of what I have in my head. You could come together that evening to share, but... In addition to roasting it over fire that night immediately, you had to eat the whole thing as a family that evening. Um, anything that was left over, you burned it up in the fire. A little waste. Huh? A little uh, waste. I know. And and smaller families, couldn't they do like doves, white doves, and, and smaller animals this. too? Not for this. Not this for was, this. This okay. was specifically a sheep or a goat. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, there are some we'll see in the the law of Moses and the sacrificial system that uh, smaller families or uh, or poor families could could offer, uh, I guess, lesser animals. Um, but for but specifically for this, it was sheep and goats. Gotcha. Okay. All, all of this was this way. The reason they had that rule, the reason they had the unleavened bread burning up the remains in the fire is all is because when God moved, He was going to move quickly, and the Israelites need to be ready to go, and so. Was also they they need to be ready to leave at a moment's notice, so you know you couldn't have any leftover food because you were about to go. In in fact, they were even uh, told they had to be dressed and ready for travel, sandals on their feet, staff in hand, ready to walk out the door as they were eating this meal. Because when God said it's time to go, it's time to go. Wow, for this yeah. particular thing, because something big was about to happen, right? Exactly. Okay. Exactly. And so God then told Moses, he explained all of this, why it had to be this way. He was about to strike Egypt with the final plague of killing all the firstborns. And so the mark that they put on the doors, um, the blood of the, on the doorpost and lintel was their show of faith in God um, and say, okay, God gave us this instruction. He said, if we will do this, he'll pass over us. And so we're going to follow his commands. We're going to put our faith in him. 
And so when the angel came through killing the firstborns, that would be the sign to the angel of, hey, these are the ones who put their faith in God, which when I was thinking about that, it made me wonder, you know, if there were Egyptians who got this instruction, who heard about this, I wonder if they did it, if they were also passed over, if there were Egyptians who showed their faith in God and saying, yeah, the God of the Israelites, he's a real deal. Were they passed over? I don't know. We don't have that recorded. Um, Well, and, and you know, my first thought went to the amazing community they must have had hmm. because to be in a spot the next day when you wake up and you find your firstborn dead, but you're a follower of God, but you didn't get the memo, right? <laughs> right. So, so, you know, everybody had to be making sure everybody in the community was like, hey, be sure you do this. Be sure you do this. God's about to do something. We got to, this yeah. is what God said. Moses said, we got to do this. Uh, and hopefully it wasn't like a big old game of telephone where <laughs> it got mixed up. And, right. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I just think about today, we have the most technology we've ever had. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we still can't reach our family and friends. Yeah. Because we're so used to it. And right. we're just like, yeah, I'll get to them later. Yeah. <laughs> I doubt that that happened back then. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and for context, I mean, we'll, we, we see it recorded a little bit later, but there were 600,000 men plus their families. Wow. I mean, this is a big community. I mean, we're, we're talking well north of a million, maybe pushing 2 million people that all needed to get this memo wow. uh, of adults and kids. So it's, you, you can tell that they had community, they had each other's backs. And it makes me wonder too, maybe that's part of the reason why they had the delay, right? They were supposed to pick the animal on the 10th, but sacrifice on the 14th, maybe that was to allow time for word to travel. I don't know. could be. It could be. But it also shows that the, the community faith that they had in God, right? Because they all did it. Um, we don't, now granted, it's not recorded that, you know, all 600,000 households, you know, but as a community, they were, they obviously had this faith because they didn't lose their firstborns. They were, they were, they were all packing up and ready to head out. So it's amazing that faith and, 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 and the, you, know, you talked about technology and our, our ability to, to access everything. I look, I think about that with, in terms of the information that we have mm-hmm. as well. Like we've got more evidence and information today than we've ever had, but yet there's still a lot of people that are like, eh, I don't know. And, and these guys had nothing to work with, had none of that stuff. But they said, you know what? God's in control. God's got this. He's done these really cool plagues. I'm going to trust him again with this. Well, yeah. And with as jaded as we are, mm-hmm. as with as um, um, cynical. cynical as we are, yeah. <laughs> if somebody posted, somebody we trusted even, if, if our mm-hmm. pastor posted on Facebook, hey, God's going old school, and he told me that we need to sacrifice a sheep. Everybody go get a sheep now. <laughs> Are we going to do it? No. Probably not. <laughs> uh, you know, we trust him. Yeah. We know he's a, a of sound mind and we think. <laughs> I would uh, question it after that, but. <laughs> but, but I don't know that any of us would, maybe a few, but we're probably not going to run out and go buy a sheep. Right. And sacrifice it because our pastor said so. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would need, I would need my own burning bush moment to, <laughs> Yeah. you know, for sure. For sure. And it's sad because we do have so much technology, but we have so much false information within yeah. that technology. We don't know who to believe or what to believe a lot of times. Yeah. And I think that's, I, you know, I hate, I hate, I hate, and I know hate's a strong word, but I hate the publications like the onion or the, mm. the Babylon Bee. Because 
they're all of these different things. If you're not familiar, they're they're satire hmm. publications, and they're all written to be truth. But you've got to know that they're satire. They're meant right. to be satire. So many people don't know that. Yeah, you know, it's it's like back in the what was it the the forties maybe um, when somebody was reading War of the Worlds over the radio mm-hmm. and. They lost the people lost it because they would turn on the radio halfway through and they thought they were actually the world was actually being attacked by aliens. Oh, geez. <laughs> so it was mass chaos because somebody was reading a book. Yeah. You know, people take things so literally yeah. that aren't true, but yet the things that are sometimes unbelievable, like God coming and killing all the firstborn, right? People can't take that as truth because it's too far fetched. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't get it. We we pick and choose what we want to believe, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And that's, you know, what we see. That's one of the convicting things about the Old Testament is is to see that faith when they really don't have anything to work with except their experience and their faith. And and that's but that's all they need. They're saying, Okay, that's what we're doing. That's what you know, we're we're all in and they're not perfect in that. We're gonna see that. Uh, we've already seen a little bit of that, and we're gonna see it some more when they're in the wilderness, but but still, in the end, as a community, they move forward in faith. They always do. Right. <clears throat> and that's what we have to do as a community, move yeah. forward in faith. So so jumping back into the story, before all of this happened, God made sure to let Moses know that what they were doing now, this this process, this, this festival, uh, this process was to be done by the Israelites every year at the same time as a festival. And so from the 14th day of the first month through the 21st day, uh, the Israelites were to eat unleavened bread. They were to kind of have that that readiness, right, of sandals on their feet, they're ready to go, staff in hand as, as a reminder of God's moving in the Passover. And so this wasn't going to be, while this was a one-time event, this was not to be forgotten in future generations. Now, we're not saying God's killing the firstborn every year. No, no. <laughs> they're, just, they're just having the meal and the sacrifice and right. doing the same things on their side, but they're not protecting their babies every year. <laughs> right, right. This is this is purely just to remember how God moved. Yeah, yeah. Um, in fact, they weren't even supposed to have yeast in their homes for those seven days, which is just, you know, it's like, don't even take a risk, leave it out. We, we don't want any leaven around, uh, no, no yeast around in that time. And this was all to establish a festival, like you said, to remember in future generations what God had done. Not that they were going to go through this every year, no, nothing like that. But So was just, this Moses' first law, first command? of? It was the first festival that was established for sure. He, I mean, he had given some instructions to the Israelites, but I think this probably was the first like instituted, this is how we're going to do things. Yeah. Hmm, okay. Yeah. Interesting. I hadn't thought about that, but it is. Definitely is. So, so Moses comes, he's, he's gotten all these instructions from God. He's passed it all along to the Israelites. And they did just as he said on the 14th day at twilight, um, at midnight, the angel came through and struck every firstborn in the land of Egypt, livestock and people. But those who listened to God's command and put the blood of their sacrifice on the doorposts, those homes were passed over and, and, and they didn't, they, they didn't lose anybody, no livestock, no nothing. They were, they were protected from God's plague. And so as, as you can imagine, when this happened, there was a huge outcry from the people of Egypt. You know, um, I think sometimes we pass, we can't pass over. <laughs> I think sometimes we look at this story and we kind of quickly move through it and like, okay, yeah, he killed all the firstborn, but we don't stop and think about the magnitude of that. Like, 
that's just, that's the firstborn, right? And and especially in this culture, the firstborn male was that was the heir apparent to the home. That was you know the person who was going to inherit the property, inherit the blessing. They were going to get everything, and they were all taken out in one fell swoop on that night among people and animals. And so, and we're not even talking about like newborns or anything. We're talking uh, in people in their twenties. If they were a firstborn in their thirties, forties, they were gone. They're out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so huge outcry from the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh got up at this. He summoned Moses and Aaron. He said, get out of here. Um, take everyone, everything, worship God as you've asked me, as God instructed you to do, but just get out of the land. We're done. Because um, Pharaoh lost his son too, right? Yeah. He lost his first one son too. And so he's, everybody felt the pain of this loss. And so um, the Egyptians at this point, they're ready for him to leave. They're ready for him to get out. And remember, if you uh, as we went through the plagues last week, we kind of saw this already coming. We saw the magician say, Hey, Pharaoh, you know, that, that God guy, he knows what he's doing. We can't do this. Or even the Egyptian people were like, Pharaoh, why, why don't you just let them go? We're tired of dealing with these plagues. Um, so at this point, they're definitely ready for him to leave. They rushed him out of the country so quickly that the Israelites bread didn't even have time to leaven. So, hmm. Talk about unleavened bread and the importance of not even having yeast in your home for the festival. This is why. And being um, ready to go. Yeah. They had to be ready to go at a moment's notice. Something else that's really interesting that I think is just kind of a funny addition to the story. So God instructed the Israelites to go ask the Egyptians for gold and silver. And um, I think it was even uh, clothing, like thread and yarn, that kind of stuff. And at this moment, when God's rushing them out, God granted them such favor with the Egyptians of like trying to rush them out of town that they basically plundered the Egyptians by just saying, hey, can I have some gold and silver? Oh, and, wow. And the, and the Egyptians gave it to them. Like, here, take it. Just get out. Just leave. Wow. Um, <laughs> so, you know, not only not only did uh, did they get out, but they got to take a bunch of the Egyptian stuff with them. Thanks for freeing us. We'll take your gold and silver, too. Yeah. Yeah. That that's the ultimate have your cake and eat it too moment right, right. there. Um, <laughs> so here they are. They after spending four hundred and thirty years in the land of Egypt, six hundred thousand able-bodied Israelite men and all of their families were out of Egypt. We mentioned it before, I and mean, we're talking well north of a million, maybe pushing two million people. Um, they had big families back then. Yeah, yeah, and they're they're all leaving Egypt, and so you know God guided them. Through the wilderness, he actually led them as a, a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. It was one of those things where if the cloud stayed still for a couple of days, they were still for a couple of days. If it moved, they just they just followed it. They But they trusted God. They said, okay, God, you got us out of there. We're going to keep following you. And whenever he moved, they moved. But that's how God led them. Pillar um, of fire. Hmm? You know, I've always tried to imagine that, but it just struck me. <laughs> and it's going to be ironic here in a second. <laughs> um I wonder if, you know, if he was a cloud, so they're looking, and I'm trying to make this tangible, right, in yep. my own feeble mind. Um, <laughs> if they're looking up in the sky at a cloud, mm-hmm. and they're like, okay, we're going to follow that cloud. We believe that's God. Hmm. It hasn't changed. It hasn't, it, it only moves when it wants us to, and then it stops, and we stop, right? Okay, mm-hmm. cool. Mm-hmm. Pillar of fire. Could that have been that same cloud at night shooting lightning? Hmm. So, so one of the things that... Um, that we actually see uh, in just a minute is that that, that cloud was actually uh, like it blocked between the Israelites and the Egyptians. Okay. And so I think I've always kind of imagined it as being something more down to earth, almost like a, like a fog that they followed. Oh, okay. And so the pillar of fire, you know, I wonder if it was um, 
Well, I don't know. It, could it could it be lightning? Could it be some somehow it was lit up? But I don't know exactly. Like, was it literally just a like a like the cloud turned to fire at night? I don't know. Hmm. More yeah, like a star, I guess. I don't know. Okay. Interesting. Just a yeah, just a side note from my feeble mind. <laughs> it's just you know, it's one more of those supernatural things. It's like, huh? I wonder what that would have been like. Yeah. So everything's looking good at this point for the Israelites. They made it out of Egypt, but they uh, not totally out of the woods. Pharaoh just yet. Pharaoh, uh, quote unquote, came to his senses and realized <laughs> that he just lost his whole slave labor force. You think about 600,000 able-bodied men that were building bricks and building cities for him uh, one day are now gone. So Pharaoh got his army together. They got on their chariots and rode out to reclaim the Israelite people as their slaves. So this could have been a couple of days, probably grieving period, you know, getting over this. And then a couple of days later, he says, wait a minute. (laughs) Not only did this guy's God just kill all of our firstborn and my son, Mm -hmm. But now I've lost my slate. I'm getting them back. And they plundered us on the way out. Yeah. They took all of our stuff on the way out. Yeah. Yeah. Add insult to injury. Now it's revenge time. Huh? Now it's revenge time. That's right. <laughs> That's right. He's coming after him. And so, um, you know, and this is this is one of those funny things. And I'm just, spoiler alert, this happens so much throughout the Old Testament. The Israelites see Pharaoh's army coming and they're like, oh, no, what are we going to do? You know, they make the comment, why did we come out in the wilderness just to die here instead of dying in Egypt? Remember, God just swept through and killed all of the firstborns in Egypt, led you out, allowed you to plunder the Egyptians, made them stay while you left. And you're wondering, huh, let's see, Pharaoh's coming. Oh, no, what are we going to do? God just delivered you from this guy. Why are you? Anyway. Well, we do it every day on our own. Yes, we do. I, I do it. You do it. Yep. You probably more so than me. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> we, anytime something comes up, we have such control issues yeah. that, oh no, what are we going to do? What? Give it to God. Let go yeah. and let God, right? Right. And it's so hard to do because we're such control freaks. Mm-hmm. And I'm not just speaking for me and Matt. I'm speaking for all you people too. Everybody. <laughs> yeah. Quick little side note. That's our Sunday school lesson this week. Let go and let God. Uh, Anyway. See, we already have material. (laughs) We already have material. That's right. (laughs) So, so God steps in, he gives Moses instruction. He says, um, they're at this point, they're at the edge of the Red Sea or some translation, the Sea of Reeds and all the Bible translations I've read is the Red Sea, but there's some possibility in the Hebrew Sea of Reeds, which is two different areas. We'll get to that in a little bit. However, he says to raise your staff over the Red Sea and it will part before you. And so that pillar of cloud that we talked about, it actually got between the Israelites and the Egyptians to protect the Israelites um, and and to kind of uh, separate the two. And then Moses, obeying God's command, he lifted his staff over the sea as instructed and it parted right in front of him. It says there was a great east wind that blew through and, and it created the water like walls along the side and it was all dry land in the middle between the two walls of water. And so Israelites took off. They were, they were headed down, you know, and I, one of, one of the interesting things that, this says that it, it was dry land that they walked on. It wasn't the muddy seabed. It wasn't a bunch of vegetation they were crawling. No, it was dry land for them to walk through. That's just crazy to me. Yeah, if it was muddy sea land, I mean, it would be very difficult to walk through all that for however long they needed to walk through it. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't imagine this was, it, it was a short distance. And not to mention, you've got a million plus, maybe a million and a half, whatever, people that got to go through this thing, including kids and all that kind of stuff. 
this is one of those pivotal moments in the Bible that, yeah, I mean, God just really shows off. Mm-hmm. Um, he really shows his his power, his might that he that he really provides for his people. Yeah, and and to put it in perspective, if we've got a million plus people, that's a, a large city. Yeah, you know, and you've got to have room for everybody to get through. That we're not talking single file line, right? You know, we're talking <laughs> a big horde of people walking through. Yeah, um, it's it's going to be crowded. It's going to be. I'm sure hot. It's going to mm-hmm. be, uh, you know, it, there's going to be the elements that they're dealing with and everything else, unless God just made it extremely comfortable for him, which he could have done. Yeah. But this was not a short distance. It couldn't have been for all yeah. those people to walk through. And uh, we're talking miles at the very yeah. minimum. Exactly. And, and I, and I'll, I wanted to emphasize that just, you know, again, this is one of those stories that we kind of read. Oh yeah. God part of the red sea. Like, this is a big deal. Mm-hmm. This is a really big deal. And especially what happens next when uh, they, the Israelites took off and they cross over. And this Pharaoh and his army come after him. And so the, the Israelites made it over. They didn't have any problems. But as soon as they got out, Pharaoh's army was in the middle of the sea. God told Moses, hey, raise your staff again over the sea and it'll it'll come back over him. And sure enough, as Pharaoh's army is coming across, the, the chariots are having trouble going straight and the wheels start swerving around. And then the sea crashes over him and Pharaoh and all of his army drown right there in the Red Sea. Just crazy how, how God was able to move through that. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of the, I mean, they made a movie about it, right? Charles mm-hmm. Heston. We talk about it with Moses all the time. It's one of the, the more well-known stories yeah. in the Bible. I don't want to say it's one of the biggest miracles because Jesus brought somebody back from the dead, right? <laughs> right. Um, on several occasions, including himself. So it's not the biggest miracle, but I think it's the biggest miracle that is in grandeur as far as like mm. a spectacle of of events yeah. that a million people saw. Right. Plus. Right. You know, um, it's not, it would be very hard to try to say it didn't happen this way. Yeah. Because a million plus people saw it. We're talking over 500 people that saw Jesus alive after death. Right. And that was enough for me, for you, for millions of other people Mm -hmm. uh, to believe that Jesus came back from the dead. Right. But because, well, you know what? Let's jump into, let's let's move things around a little bit here uh, Mm -hmm. today because, um, you know, our our segment of what's going on in the rest of the world Mm -hmm. talks about this very thing. And and Matt, I'm gonna let you finish it out, but but the the magnitude of this had to have come from oh well, the fact that it's is this recorded or is this not recorded in Egyptian history? Do you know? So so in Egyptian history, um, the the Exodus is not specifically recorded. So there there is some talk about like smaller groups of people who left Egypt who were slaves and they were able to escape. There actually, I was reading, there, there is a poet who recorded that the water was turned to blood and there was blood everywhere. And so, which lines up with the very first plague. So, there's there's some hints at it of this happening. But, you know, a lot of people, when they look at Egyptian history and they look at all the hieroglyphs and, and everything that they have, they say, well, there's nothing that says that, you know, this huge, massive amount of people left Egypt and the, this huge slave labor force all got out. Um, and so they discount it, right? There's nothing in Egyptian history that says the Red Sea was parted and they were able to make it through. But we do see evidence that the story of Moses in Egypt is true. And and I just 
we wanted to take today to talk about that a little bit. It is easy for people to discount these stories as just stories because um, they say, well, it's not recorded. We don't have evidence. We don't have proof. But there's more proof than you think. There's evidence that Pharaoh's order to kill all the Hebrew boys was taken out because they found remains from around that time of very young boys, you know, months old, um, that didn't make it. We've got, uh, I mentioned the poet who recorded that the water had turned into blood, that the water was like blood and it was everywhere, right? To line up with the first plague. Um, we have mentions of the name Yahweh in Egyptian texts from around this time. Well, the first time the name Yahweh was used was when God gave it to Moses to tell the Israelite people, hey, this is who sent me. Um, it doesn't exist before that and it doesn't exist outside of that. In fact, it was such a sacred name that the Israelite people never spoke it. They only wrote it down. But that's captured in Egyptian texts. Um, we have the cities of Python and Ramses that have been recovered in, in archaeological digs that we believe the Israelites were probably the ones to build. We have evidence of slaves that were in Egypt who built bricks for for the Egyptian pharaohs to build these cities to, to make their power known. And even specifically with the parting of the Red Sea, they found chariot parts in the Red Sea that are, if you think about the, uh, the, the current of the sea, and where people think, okay, maybe they crossed over here, maybe they crossed over there, that makes sense, that line up with that. And so just as a, just a side note, I know normally we talk about things are going on in another place in the world, but this is one of those big moments that people try to discount and people try to say, oh, well, that, you know, there's no evidence that that happened. There really is, if you're willing to look for it. And so I want to encourage you as, as our listeners to... Um, to dive into that, go do your own research. Like Bill talked about earlier, there's a lot of stuff out there on the internet that is outright false, or it's not intended to be taken literally, but sometimes it is because people don't put their thinking caps on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and look, and I'm uh, let me just say this: I've caught myself in that trap before too, right? Of of reading something and thinking, oh my gosh, this is happening, and well, no, it's not. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. But it, it happens, right? Do do some digging into the the archaeology behind excess we don't have time to go through everything and all the sources and all that stuff here but i encourage you to go do that to go check it out for yourself just like we have evidence and proof that jesus lived died and rose again he was seen by 500 people we've got evidence and proof from a historical perspective that this stuff happens if only you choose to follow the facts and and to and to believe what you see so just just throwing that out there if you're if you're struggling with that today Go find that evidence. Do do some research and see what you find. Yeah, I've I've seen different um, documentaries that have talked about the the chariots and the spears mm-hmm. and the the things that have been found um, miles from yeah. dry land. Right? Yeah, um, and that's not again a million plus people walking through a parted sea, right? Somebody would have shut down the story, right? Right. Like, like that's that's the crazy thing about that is that it, if if you had a million plus people cross the Red Sea, and this is so important to the culture of Israel, it would have been shut down at some point, right? Just like with Jesus, if if Jesus didn't really rise again and was not seen by five hundred people, that that the religion quote unquote would have died out 2000 years ago, but that's not what happened. Right. We're still talking about it. Right. It was bolstered. It wasn't, yeah. it, it wasn't shut down. It was bolstered up. It was made more uh, real by yeah. those historical uh, or by those um, eyewitnesses. Yeah. People take them as stories over the years mm-hmm. that have just been manifested in different ways. 
But we can look at the Bible and say, no, this is this actually happened. Yeah. This is true because we have the evidence outside of the Bible. Yeah. And we, you know, this is why we do this, what's going on elsewhere in the world, because it actually mm-hmm. helps make the Bible more tangible. Yeah. Because we can see, oh, no, this wasn't just a, a, a fictional story that somebody wrote. This was actually going on while other things were going on. Yeah. And in a lot of areas, they tie together. Yeah. We start getting into things like Babylon and things like that. That's when it's really going to start coming together yeah. and seeing how the world kind of dispersed. And, and mm-hmm. um, we start talking about things like last week when we talked about the Bronze Age and the Stone Age. And we yeah. start tying all that stuff in. It really starts making it feel more real. I mean, yeah. for lack of a better word. Yeah. And, and, you know, you and I have the perspective of, you know, the, the Bible is true. We believe what's written because it's the inspired word of God, that, that second Timothy three sixteen seventeen 17, that it's all true. It's good for, um, teaching and rebuke and all, you know, kind of, we have that mindset about it, but for somebody who's on the fence, the, the evidence is there. If you're, if you're willing to go look for it and grasp it, it really is. Well, let me add this too. It's a choice, right? Yeah. So it's not only a choice, but God is also going to work on you. Yeah. But you've got to start looking too. If you're just going to look and if you're just going to say, no, I don't believe that it was written by man. You're missing out because, you know, first of all, who do you expect to write it? A giraffe? A donkey? (laughs) Right. You know, somebody's got to write this. Right. Um, Second of all, just because it was written by man doesn't mean that God didn't inspire it. Correct. So it's a choice you make to decide, am I going to believe this? Is it too far-fetched? No, it's not, if you really start digging in. Right. It's just beyond your, as I said earlier, and and this is not a put-down to anybody, (laughs) it's just beyond our feeble minds to accept things that we don't see today in everyday life. Right. So it's a choice you make. Could this have happened? Yes, it could. With God, anything can happen. Yeah. That's right. So it's really up to you. Once you start making that choice in the right direction, I I believe God really starts working on you and pulling you even more in that yeah. direction. Yeah, he he's if you if you give him an opening, he'll move in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he'll move in. He'll start showing you and revealing to you all these things. And it does take faith, and I'm not I'm not discounting that 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 following Christ believing in God, believing it, it it does take faith, but it's not just a blind faith. Um in fact, we talked about that in myths about the church, we had an episode about that, that uh, faith is not just a blind leap, that there is evidence behind all this stuff. And so um, just encourage you, if you've got any questions about that or, or want more information, we're by no means the experts, um, but would love to, I mean, come alongside you in that. Um, and so shoot us a note, info at simplifyjesus.com. And we would love to talk to you more about our faith, why we have faith, the history behind it. Um, history behind the Bible and what's here. And that, that's why we're doing this series. That's why we're here right now. And we'd love to share what God's done in our lives. Absolutely. So how does this then point to Jesus? So, um, so in, interestingly, the, the Passover is in many ways kind of a, a symbol of Jesus um, and who he is in his life, death and resurrection. So um, Jesus is sometimes referred to as the Lamb of God, um, and that's because he was the one who was sacrificed for our sins. He died for our sins after living a perfect life. He didn't do anything wrong. He didn't do anything to earn his death penalty, but yet he took uh, he died so that we could have salvation. And those who accept that free gift of salvation by putting their faith in him and by saying, you know what? I know I can't save myself. I know I've messed up, um, but I'm going to believe in Jesus and I'm going to commit my life to him. 
when when judgment day that you know revelation talks about uh, uh and jesus talks about in his life when the, when that day comes that we're going to be passed over that when god looks at us he's going to see the blood of christ on our doorpost and lintel quote unquote so to speak mm. because we've accepted that free gift and we followed his call to salvation so instead of seeing us instead of seeing our sin and and where where we've fallen short god's going to see the the blood of christ that covers us and so a, a lot of that is some christianese and and it's kind of the the best way that I know to explain it, but but that Passover of, of sacrificing a sheep or a goat and putting the blood on uh, the doorposts um, is really a, a great symbol of what happens in our lives when we accept Christ. That 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 we're when we choose to put our faith in Him and follow His call, that we are that we are the Bible says that we are washed clean by the blood of Christ, and that God sees us as righteous before Him because of our faith in Christ. That's right. That's right. Well, that's going to do it for us this week. I'm thankful that y'all have uh, stopped in to listen, and uh, hopefully you got something out of this. I enjoyed this one very much. I I love seeing these miracles that God does, especially on this grand of scale. Um, Certainly hard to imagine (laughs) what it looked like for somebody to be brought back to life, but um, it is just so amazing to imagine what that Red Sea looked like when parted, people walking through it. Um, and then crashing down on those evil Egyptians. And <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we don't despise or dislike Egyptians now if you're Egyptian and listening to this. <laughs> but don't mess with God's people. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> don't, get, don't mess with God's people. That's right. <laughs> so thank you all again for coming back and listening this week. Uh, next week, we're going to be talking about Israel after uh, the Exodus, after leaving Egypt and, and them in the wilderness. Uh, so you can follow along with that in Exodus 15 through 18. If you want to see where we're at there, get a head start on us with that one. Otherwise, we will see you guys next week. Matt, get us on out of here. All right. Uh, as always, if you have any comments, questions, or concerns about this episode or any other, shoot us a note at info at simplifyjesus.com. We would love to answer those questions for you, talk to you about what, what our faith looks like, what um, the faith of Moses, the history, all of that stuff. Um, all great stuff. If you want to check us out on social media, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter most often. That's where we like to hang out. Comment, like, share, come interact with us. Uh, we would love to uh, see your questions, see what you've got for us, um, and we will we will definitely find you there. Be sure to check out our website, www.simplifyjesus.com. That's where you can find all of our podcasts and any other stuff that we've got going on. We've got some videos, things like that going on in there. And as always, if you can't find our podcast, let us know. Uh, shoot us a note, info at simplifyjesus.com. We would love to get our podcast wherever you like to listen. But you can even find it on Alexa. Just say, hey, Alexa, let, let me listen to Simplify Jesus podcast, and she will play it for you there. Um, with that, I appreciate everybody jumping in this week and hope to see you again next week. See ya.